you've come to the right place. If you're looking to create, launch, and scale a high-value online training program, I'm your guide, Chris Badgett. I'm the co-founder of Lifter LMS, the most powerful learning management system for WordPress. Stay to the end. I've got something special for you. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. I'm joined by a special guest. His name is Chris Martinez. He's from dudeagency.io. We're going to talk about his journey as an education entrepreneur. We're going to talk about how to scale an agency. Welcome to the show, Chris. Hey, what's up, brother? Good to talk to another Chris. It's <laughs> early for of- me. It's 7.30 a.m. for me, so I'm That's excited awesome. to get going. There's a lot of Chris's out there. Um, so to, to just frame in the story of where you are today and where you started as a, as a, both the agency person yourself to what you do today, where did this story begin? How far back do you want me to go? <laughs> like I was always entrepreneurial. I, I was never the kid that had like the lemonade stand. Uh, but I kind of always knew that I wanted to have a business. So did you freelance? Did you start like with some kind of, was it online? Was it offline? The agency? So the agency, okay. So I I have to go back a little bit before I got into the agency to put everything into context. So I never liked anything technology related when I was growing up. I thought it was lame. Um, And so my dad died of cancer in 2007. And after that, I decided I wanted to start my first business. So I started a print soccer magazine because I've played soccer my whole life. I love soccer. And and I made every mistake that you could possibly make. And I lost all of my money. Um, And then some. I lost almost $200,000 in about 18 months. (laughs) I don't know if that's a record, but it was very painful at the time. Um, and, And, you know, the thing about losing that much or just having that much failure uh, especially when you're that young, I was 27, 28 when I basically lost everything. Um, is that you know you, you don't really see how you're going to get out of that hole, but eventually you know I, I was able to kind of work my way out of it. Uh, a lot of therapy, <laughs> um, and then I had this crazy idea for a website, and a friend of mine who's a successful entrepreneur, he's a, a year older than me. Um, he ran a bunch of restaurants and I had this idea for a website and I noticed that his girlfriend at the time uh, had like the WordPress logo. Do you remember back in the day in the sidebar, there was like WordPress and then there was like always like a search search bar. Yeah. So I asked him, I asked my buddy, I was like, hey, what's WordPress? And I'm like, can you build me a website on WordPress? This is like 2009, I think. And, and he's like, ah, oh, man, just go online. You can figure it out. And I remember being so annoyed that he wouldn't help me. But in the end, it was like the best advice because I was forced to go out and learn how to do WordPress website, build a WordPress website. So uh, over the course of a weekend, having zero technological background or skills whatsoever, I built my first website on, on WordPress. How'd you do it? Did you watch? I can't remember if I bought a theme. I think I bought a theme. <laughs> did and, you watch YouTube so, videos or how did you this learn? This before YouTube. So I went on yeah. some random blog that I saw and they had some random video player. And I was just literally like, play, stop, play, stop, rewind, play, stop. And then I would just do it. And then uh, HostGator at the time had pretty good support for hosting. So they helped me out a lot over the phone. 
I'm sure I probably called him like 10 times in the course of a couple of days. So literally I started like on Friday night and by Sunday I had a website up and I was so proud of myself. It was ugly as sin. Um, and I'm still not like a designer, you know, but I did it. And, and then that really inspired me. And so I started just for fun, like building more websites on my own. And then I learned how to drive traffic because I was like, okay, I got this website, like nobody's going to it. How am I going to get leads? And, and so Russell Brunson at the time had a coaching program called dot-com secrets. And I ended up paying like 500 bucks a month. Keep in mind, I'm still broke. I'm still like paying off all this debt that I have from this soccer magazine. Um, so I'm paying $500 to Russell Brunson. And then I did pick up, I don't even know if I mentioned this on a, uh, on a podcast before I did pick up a client, a friend of mine, he ran a construction rental business and he needed somebody to help him with marketing. So he was paying me $500 to do that. So I was like, okay, I'm paying Russell Brunson with this $500. So it's not really costing me anything. And I just started learning more about marketing. And, um, oh, I will say that I was doing all of this on the side. So after the soccer magazine, I was flat broke, like no money. And, and so I had to get a job and I'd always, uh, my career was in sales right out of college. I started doing sales. And so I got a sales job working for this charter bus company selling charter buses. Didn't really know anything about charter buses, but I could sell. So I was doing that during the day. And then I started learning about online marketing, um, in the evenings and in my spare time. And then eventually the CEO of that bus company funded everything with a Ponzi scheme, <laughs> the largest Ponzi scheme in Washington state's history. So then that uh, job went away and I had these online marketing skills. I started working for Reach Local, doing sales for them, doing uh, pay-per-click advertising. And then that eventually led to me starting the agency in 2012. That's awesome. So would you say that the beginning of this kind of agency marketing career started with learning how to build a WordPress website? That was probably the catalyst. That's Um, awesome. That's like the super skill, like. I remember when I first learned it, it's like, okay, you mean I can create this thing that people can see from anywhere in the world. And yeah. I mean, it's, it's really mind blowing when you think about that. That's a pretty cool skill to have. <laughs> you're, you're bringing up lots of nostalgic feelings because like at the time, yeah, I mean, it, you know, considering that it was something totally outside my comfort zone and I was able to teach myself that with zero help because there's, there were no like, you know, digital agency gurus back then. YouTube was just getting started. Udemy didn't exist. Like all these online learning platforms that we have today didn't exist. So yeah, that was a lot of fun. It was, you know, scary at the time too. But uh, looking back, that was actually a character building moment for me. (laughs) Yeah, it's like a website. At first you're like, oh, wow, I can express myself. And then you're like, wait a second, businesses need to express themselves. They need leads. They need conversions. It's it turns into this whole like skill set that like almost every human and every business needs. <laughs> it's yeah. pretty big. And 13 years ago, yeah, you know, still a lot of people thought the internet was a fad. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. <laughs> so it was a different time too. So we're 2012, but before we go into that, where are you now? Like what happens at dudeagency.io? Uh yeah. So we <sighs> I have to tell a little bit. So I'm going to skip between 2012 and 2017. Okay. But basically in 2017, I had an agency and we'd had a couple hundred clients on retainer. I had discovered this hidden talent pool down in Tijuana, Mexico. So I lived in San Diego. So I was like crossing the border every single day at this little team. 
And I said, I want to help other agencies get access to this hidden talent pool. So I listened to a podcast of Russ Perry, who started Design Pickle, and I was like, I can do unlimited development using my team in Mexico. And we, we literally ran Facebook ads to try and prove the concept, and we started getting customers. And I built that business up to um, you know, over 100,000 uh, revenue very, very quickly. And so then we um, decided we were going to take a chance and get a booth at the Traffic and Conversion Conference in San Diego in 2018. And that exploded. We got like $300,000 worth of business from that one conference. And that's, this is like, so if you don't know what Design Pickle is, it's, I, I'm a Design Pickle customer. I actually know Russ as well. Yeah. Um, it's unlimited graphic design for a certain amount per month. So you, right. which is cool as a business owner, because you're like, okay, I can, I understand my costs and then I can, you know, I, I have to get organized, but then I just feed my design needs to this company. So you're saying you did that with development, like for, that was the idea. Yeah. The idea was that we would just mimic design pickle almost exactly, which in retrospect was a big mistake. Why? But at least it got us moving. Our businesses are very different. So from a design standpoint, it's much easier to standardize the deliverables on design. Yeah. Because essentially, like, just think about the software, right? You've got, uh, well, excluding like Sketch or anything like that. Essentially, you have um, Photoshop. Yeah. If, if you're doing mock-ups, you're doing Figma. I'm, I'm sure there's other design um, or mock-ups that you can do or things that you can do on Figma. And then you've got XD. You know, like those are the only softwares for the most part. And they have other things that they're doing as well. But with web development, you've got theme sites, you've got different themes, you've got different platforms, you have custom development, like there's a, and nobody does anything the same. This is the thing yeah. that the agency space doesn't understand. Yeah. Is the way that you do something, literally nobody else on the planet is doing it the exact same way. <laughs> yeah. So that's why it's so we hard. We learned that through experience yeah. though. So we tried to follow the design pickle model. Um, and then very quickly we learned there are some unique things that we have to do to adapt to our customers so the business is similar in the sense that we're offering an unlimited type of service, but the way that we provide it and then the operations that happen behind the scene are incredibly different. Um, and our customers different. We only work with agencies um, where Design Pickle will work with pretty much anybody. Um, so it was more like an agency is kind of outsourcing development. Agency outsourcing. That's exactly yeah. what we were known for. Um, and that's and what so you sold at the traffic and conversions booth is exactly. agency owners were like, I need developer talent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and so we offered development and design. We didn't do, do print design. Uh, and we started getting a bunch of customers. It was flat rate. And so then what happened next is we started to learn about the agencies. And one of the first things we learned is that agencies are really, really bad at operations and it's, you know, by no fault of their own, uh, I think a lot of entrepreneurs in general are not operations minded. More creative. And yeah, more creative, yeah. just kind of like, you know, just creating amazing stuff, things that I can never create. Uh, but it creates a lot of delays and it's very difficult to get their stuff done. So we started to coach them and give them advice on operations, giving them templates for SOPs, showing them what are the inefficiencies and why things are breaking down something that we never had any intention on doing. So we were doing that. And then we started to learn, oh, you know, these, these successful agencies, they're doing a lot of revenue, but they're not very profitable. And, and that's creating a lot of other problems because that's, for example, like 
they bring on a lot of projects or a lot of new clients. And then there's no budget left over to hire the people that they need because they're not monitoring their margins. And so, uh, and they don't have a plan in place. So we started giving them advice and coaching and mentoring on that. And uh, that's led us to today. Uh, you know, our company, we have almost 100, 100 uh, team members, got clients all over the United States and Canada. Um, you know, I think in December we finished right around 200K in monthly recurring revenue. So I don't care, know if people care about that. Um, you know, the company's grown tremendously and uh, we won an award last year. We were the, uh, we won a Stevie for minority owned business of the year and second place for, um, most innovative company under hundred employees. So things are going well. Um, and we've repositioned ourselves. So we're not the outsourcing people because our clients kept saying like, man, you guys do way more than outsourcing. And I don't know if you see all the ads that are running, like everybody and their mother is trying to staff you with people from the Philippines, from India, from, you know, like I see probably 15 ads a day. Now I'm probably looking at different sites and a lot of other people, but still like, that's like the thing. And we recognize this coming along a while back. And now the next evolution is, or what I believe is that the agency space because of COVID and because of rising labor costs, um, it's really squeezing the smaller agency owner. So you're being forced to step into the role of a true CEO if you really want to run an agency in 2022 and beyond. And so we're helping those ex- uh, agencies accelerate to if they're uh, under, if they're between, you know, under a million, if they're around a half a million, we want to help them get to a million within a year and then accelerate from a million to five plus after that. Still staffing, still uh, providing operational support, helping to build SOPs, create operational efficiency, um, and then maximizing that profitability. Um, because way too many agencies, owners out there are not making the kind of income that they deserve and their companies are not worth anything. So if they ever wanna have an exit one day, it's really disheartening to recognize that you're doing 2 million in revenue and, and somebody's gonna pay you $750,000 for that business because it's not profitable. So how do you help them? Like, yeah. So we have a, we created a process actually. We call it the dude way. <laughs> What's um, the dude way? So the first step is staffing. We got to get you the right team. So we look at who you need. We staff you with people. Um, we is have that a couple still, options. Is that, is that staffing um, like helping them staff themselves or you're providing the outsourcing like you like through uh, Mexico or wherever? Yeah. Typically it includes us providing them the team specifically yeah. so they don't have to go through the interviews and all the craziness. Like it's really hard to hire people by the way. Like we interview 42 people for every one person that we hire most agent. That's why we have such amazing people. So most agencies don't have the resources to be able to do that. Do you, uh, does, does the, your talent pool share an office or is it remote or? We went remote because of COVID. We do yeah. have an office. We just downsized our office. We have this huge 8,000 square foot facility that we had planned on having a hundred people in. Wow. Um, and then COVID hit and, and we all had to go remote. And then uh, because we're so good, not to toot our own horn, but because we're so good at working remotely, um, we said, you know, you don't have to come back to the office. And, and we expanded our operations outside of TJ during COVID, right? So we're like, well, we can't go to the office anyways. Let's look at other cities in Mexico and also expanded into South America. So we started finding all these little pockets of talent that nobody even knows exists. And we know how to find great people. 
So um, the staffing, get back, back to your original question, the staffing is typically still in Mexico as well as South America. We still have some people in Asia. But at the end of the day, like we just find amazing human beings, like people that are willing to move mountains for clients, which is a big challenge that a lot of agencies have. So whether the agency comes to us and they need uh, a shared team or if they need a, a team and a few people that are dedicated to them, it doesn't matter. I mean, we have some agencies that have, you know, close to a dozen people with us. Where so, does the project uh, manager sit? Is it on your side or is it on the agency that, that has their great, great question. Um, and so usually the agencies have a project manager. Because the project manager is the interface between the work and also the end client, right? Absolutely. That's yeah. kind of the main service the agency provides, at least from the, a... The yeah, community. and a lot of the times the project manager is one of our biggest advocates because they're just drowning in work. They're mm -hmm. like, I, yeah, like you're bringing me these projects and like, you know, Johnny, Billy and, and, uh, and, and Jake are all slammed. Like, who am I supposed to send this to? So then they find out about us or the owner finds out about us. And uh, so we figure out who they need. We give them the team, right? The project manager is usually the one that delegates work to us. We bang it out. We have all these internal processes to make sure that we're hitting deadlines because we're obsessed with hitting deadlines. And then, so that's phase one of the dude way is giving them the right dream team. The next thing that happens is we start to work together and we start to look at what are the inefficiencies in their processes, we have a few different things that we do. We do a process map. We do an audit of the processes and, and we start to what we call unstick their processes. So we look at what are the bottlenecks and then we give them uh, mentoring on things that they can do to be able to fix those issues. So let me give you an example. Um, let's say that we're building out a website and the client says, in, or they have it listed in their contract, they uh, provide two rounds of revisions. And we recognize that when we create the first draft of their mock-ups, the, they scrap the entire thing. And now we're having to do another round and then another round. So we're exceeding the number of rounds of revisions. And I'll tell everybody this, like you do not lose money on first drafts. You lose money on revisions. So you need to figure out how, what can you do to eliminate revisions? That's the whole goal. So if you're that off on the mock-ups, then we need to look at what's going on in the onboarding process. How are we not capturing the expectations of the clients that are leading to us having to throw out our mockups? Or maybe the client's bringing in team members and they have different opinions or whatever. We are in control of that. We have to control the process. Um, and so then we'll say, hey, like, let's see your onboarding documents. What are you asking? We have templates for that that we can give them. Just give them some advice. And then incrementally, we start to fix those issues. So what happens when you do that is that you're now buying back more time. You're freeing up more time. So you can actually take on more work without having to hire more staff because you're getting more efficient. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's the second part is the unsticking the processes. The third part is as these agencies are scaling up and most of them have crossed the 500K threshold. So they're starting to build a you know, decent sized business in the agency world. They're doing a lot of things right, but the agency owners were all like accidental entrepreneurs. Like none of us went to business school. I got a degree in sociology. I think you got a degree in anthropology. Like <laughs> we didn't go to Harvard business school. So in some ways, this is an advantage 
But in other ways, uh, we are at a disadvantage because we don't understand things like gross margin. We don't understand things like net income. We definitely don't understand things like average revenue per unit. You know, like these are very basic business principles that we don't understand. And we definitely don't understand leadership as well as we need to. So now we're starting to build a team and we've got these people following us. And it's a much different experience when you have five, 10, 20 employees versus being a solopreneur with a couple of freelancers. So you need to, you and all of your leadership team need to develop into the leadership roles, the C-level roles. And that's the next thing that we do is we start to provide training for all those non-sexy roles that we have to roll, that we have to play, you know, uh, finance, operations, uh, customer experience. And then of course you being the CEO, like we have to typically learn how to become a better CEO. Our, one of my favorite phrases is that the agency is a reflection of you. So if you recognize that there's a lot of inefficiency in the agency or that we're losing customers or that nobody is organized, that is really a reflection of you as a person. And I'm not saying that in a mean way, but let's just be honest with ourselves and recognize that there are things within myself that I need to uh, adjust and I need to grow into this next level if I want the business to grow. If you want the business to stay where it's at, then don't change anything. But if you want the business to grow and scale, then you also have to look at the things you need to change within yourself. So that's the third part of the dude way. And the fourth part is basically just running the numbers. We give you, we show you how to actually create your performa so you can look at the numbers, create your budgets. And that way we ensure that the business is going to be worth something. And we, when you follow the dude way, we guarantee that you'll grow your profitability by, by at least 30% within the first 12 months. Wow. This is super cool. I love the dude way. You help them build a dream team, unstick their processes, develop as an executive or executive leadership within the team, and then yeah. run the business by the numbers. That's, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. You, we call that last one, earn and exit. So we're sticking with the dude. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. And, uh, so when you say help, uh, like you're helping people connect to staff, that's kind of like a service. Yep. I know you have, um, the dude school, which has some courses or passive training in it. Is there like a coaching element? Like what's in, yeah, we, we run what's in the transformation stack here? Like, yeah. So we run a few masterminds. Um, yeah. part of that whole development, um, arm is we get them into our first mastermind. Just not, we don't have fancy names. We just call them level one, level two, and level three. Um, so the first one is getting them into the level one. And uh, let me see if I can remember the curriculum for that. It, so the first part is uh, learning good habits, right? So we have a habit system. We teach them that. Eventually, we would love our agencies to roll it out to the rest of the team because it, it helps to develop good habits, both for you as a person, but also you as, an, as a business owner. And if all your team members are following the same thing, you're going to crush it. So that's week one and two. Week three is going over the numbers and the finances. So creating that performa, learning how to read the numbers. Um, and I, what I would love for people to do is just pass this information over to the bookkeeper. Because one of the biggest, um, I think, mistakes that agencies make is that they're not tracking their cost of goods sold. Mm -hmm. So to, and there's a million different ways to do this. It's an, it's an art and kind of like a science. But what we like to teach is that your cost of goods 
is typically anybody who touches a deliverable that goes out to the client. So you need to be tracking their hours and their and the costs associated with that. So every project you sell, you know exactly how much labor cost went into that. And there's like software and stuff too, but labor is typically the big one. So, and, and we want you to be able to complete those projects for 30% of what you sold them for. So if you sell something for 10 grand, I want you to be able to get that project done. We'll use websites again. I want you to be able to build that website, that $10,000 website for 3000 bucks. That includes development, design, copywriting, project management, anything else that goes, all the revisions, everything. I want that your time. I want that done for $3,000 or less. That's the objective. Um, and so we teach people how to do that. And then ideally they take that information and they pass it over to their bookkeeper or their finance person, and then they can start tracking the numbers better. And then, um, yeah, so that's, that's what co we cover in like week three of that training. Then we go into like customer experience, how to improve your retention. Uh, I can't remember what else, future planning, some other things. So that's kind of like the hands-on where we get them into a small group and we start working together. That's really, really fun. I loved, I'm the one who runs that still. I love doing it. It's, it really, really excites me and helps keep me motivated personally as well. So that's, um, that's awesome. What, what's the big roadblock that kind of key that people have to get through to go from like, say 500 to a million in annual revenue as an agency owner. And then again, from like one to 5 million, yeah. in annual this revenue. Is, like what, are, what are these hurdles? Question. Yeah. I'm going to use one of my clients as an example of how to go from half a million to a million. Um, Cause this gal is like going to be there any minute. She came to us. She had an agency before she failed. She started working for somebody else and then wanted to revamp her agency. So she started picking up, you know, a little bit of business, but we took a chance on her. Normally we don't work with anybody that size, but we, she, it was a referral and we just had a really good feeling about her. And immediately she jumps into the masterminds. She does every single thing. She does every part of the dude way that we put in front of her. And I think one of the, one of her superpowers is that she had this failure with the agency before she got her teeth kicked in and she recognized like, Hey, uh, it does me no good to have this big, big ego. I need to learn from other people who are already doing what I would like to do one day. So she was very, very coachable. So she comes in, she runs the numbers, she creates the right, um, uh, the right uh, average revenue per unit, like what she's going to sell our projects for. She has a bookkeeper and she has the bookkeeper like track my numbers, give me reports every single week. I want to know where we're at. And starts running the business like a true CEO. This gal goes from basically zero to 50K MRR in six months. She'll be at a million in the next 90 days, 100%. She got a great niche too. She's working with technology companies. Actually, I just talked to her like two days ago. I think she's about to bring on a huge client that'll put her over the million mark. Um, but she just did every single thing that she was that we told her to do. And here's the thing is she didn't just want to work on the fun, sexy stuff. She didn't want to just be creative. She didn't want to just sell. She was willing to do the work that is not necessarily fun, having to learn how to actually run a business, running the business by the numbers. My opinion is that if you run an agency and you're getting your clients results, meaning you're helping them to get more leads, get more sales, grow their business, agency work is like the easiest thing to sell. 
hey, you have a budget. This is what I can guarantee you're going to get in return. What do you say? I have all the back, you know, the, the testimonials to back it up. You want to do this? Do you want more money? Yes. Okay, cool. Let's go. It's a very simplified way to do it. But if you're getting your clients results, then agency work is very, very easy to sell. So she was getting the results. She never had a problem getting results. It was all the other stuff that was the challenge. So she started learning from us and that's what's getting her to a million. Now from a million to multiple millions, um, it's a matter of building out the team and really establishing team, uh, uh, a leadership team for one that can start taking a lot of these decisions off your plate. Because we got to a million uh, or very close to a million, but I was still doing everything and the business was not very profitable. As soon as I made that shift and I recognized, actually, because Russ showed me this, um, that I was the bottleneck, that all these things that were going on in the business were always my fault. And then I was the one preventing these different departments from, from growing. And I moved people into those, those different positions, the company started to take off. So we had a major churn issue in 2019. 2018 business grows tremendously. 2019 business grows tremendously again. Um, we've essentially doubled like every single year. Um, but we had this big churn problem. So we had just as many clients going out the door as we had coming in. And I recognized I needed somebody to work exclusively in customer experience and make sure that our clients are happy and get this churn number down. And so I put Erin, I promoted her. Um, she was just running my entire agency and I promoted her to customer experience director. And she slashed the churn in one month from 16% down to 10%. Wow. And then last year we got it down to 4%, which in my business is like insane. Nobody has under 10% churn um, in my business. So that was a perfect example of how, when I identified that I was the problem, I needed to find a leader for this specific role. I moved her into that role. Everything takes off. We had another agency this past year. They work in the dental niche. Um, they went through our masterminds. They learned about the numbers. They handed out, literally the biggest change for them was the numbers part of it. Learning how to run the business from a performer. Husband and wife team, they build it from nothing. Got it to 3 million. They learn from us. They go to, three, uh, to 5 million in a year. Now we weren't totally responsible for that. They, they, they kick ass in general. Um, but just little, little tweaks along the way. And you see the things that you didn't even know were issues. And then you make the adjustments and then you move forward. It's, it's simple. You mentioned, you mentioned a dental niche there. How, how important is like niching for an agency in terms That's of like, um, yeah, I mean, everybody needs to find a niche. The agencies that are going to be successful are, are niched. Do you have to stay in that niche? Of course not. But you have, it's so much easier to be an expert and to find clients within uh, a specific niche than just trying to be a generalist. The age of the generalist is pretty much over, in my opinion. The, like You might be a generalist and you specialize in a, in a specific technology, for example. So like Shopify. Shopify has exploded, obviously, um, over the past two years. And so maybe you can kind of niche through the technology, but eventually those are going to go the same way. Everything's going to become niched. Um, so it's better to just jump ahead of it and pick a niche now. How much is, um, how much is WordPress involved in your business and your clients' businesses? And I, there's lots of different technologies for delivering websites or marketing campaigns or whatever, but how, what's, 
what do you see on WordPress out there? Easily eighty percent plus WordPress. Um, yeah. You know, we support other platforms as well. And I, you know, keep in mind, I don't do the day to day work, um, so I just get what I hear in our you know weekly leadership meetings. But it's still overwhelmingly WordPress. That dental agency that I was telling you about, they're exclusively on Webflow, so we are mm-hmm. seeing a surge in Webflow, which is nice. Um, and then high level, high level is kind of coming on scene. If you've heard of go high level, um, I love that software. Um, I think it's a really, really great platform and it helps you to show ROI a lot better than other things. And you don't have to string together a bunch of different tools. Um, what's the other one? We have a couple agencies on Duda, not a lot though, but WordPress is still, you know, the, what do they call it? The 800 pound gorilla. Yeah. It's still WordPress. What, um, shifting gears back to just people and talent, you mentioned you have a knack for, um, discovering talent and, and nurturing talent in areas where people don't necessarily look or know about or notice, or tell us about, um, you know, the talent in Latin America, Mexico, South America, uh, like what, what are these hot spots of talent have in common? Like what, what was happening early on that you saw in Tijuana as an example and well, for, for it, tech talent. And the challenge that I was having with my, cause I started with the team in the Philippines, like most people. And yeah. the challenge for me was the time zone and the yeah. language. Right. So like, you know, I'm on the West coast, 15 hours time difference with uh, us in the Philippines for the first two years of my agency, I was working from like 6am to 1am, like every single day. Yeah, it takes a toll on it takes a toll on a man. <laughs> um, <laughs> so like I couldn't do that anymore. And the the kind of like the 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 point where I was like I have to make a switch is that the the revisions. So I would send something to them. I would think that they get it right. I wake up in the morning, it's not right. I got to pay them to do it over. Right, very inefficient. I'm losing money there. And then I have angry customers because they're not getting their stuff done on the timeline, on the deadline that I said that I was going to be able to do it because I got to wait, you know, because they're asleep. So that was the chat. That was kind of like the motivation for me to try and find another resource for talent. And I tried everywhere, even tried the United States and everything sucked. And then I was like, okay, well, I'm in San Diego. I bet you I can find a team down in Mexico. I don't really speak Spanish. I was able to find some people, you know, went through some bad hires like most people do, but then figured it out. Um, and the fact that they're on the same time zone and that I could talk to them in normal business hours was amazing. There's, you know, um, I don't know if it was Tim Ferriss or somebody, but there's this concept that you can find a team that can work while you sleep in some ways that's true. But in my opinion, for the most part, that's bullshit game time for us in North America is 8am to 5pm. That's when we're having our, our conversations with our clients. All of our A A players that are located in the United States, they are working that time frame. We need everybody at the game at the same time. You can't have your defensive line showing up after the game. Like we're going to lose. It it just does not work. It's a nice idea, but in reality, it's just one of those things that just doesn't play out the way that you, that you penciled it out. So um, the first thing for me was the time zone. The fact that I could just see and talk to them. I had an office in Mexico too. So that was like an advantage. Um, and then the cultural thing was, was a lot more similar. Asian culture is just different than uh, North American culture. Mexican culture is still very different than American culture, but at least on the border in Tijuana, 
they understand a lot of our cultural references. The designs that they do come back and they feel more like Western, whatever that means. Um, you know, like there's just a significant difference. And all of that helps the work to get done first, like done the first time. Remember, because we always want to get things done uh, the first draft. We don't, we lose money on the revisions. So that helped our operations to be much more efficient. Our clients were happier. We started getting more referrals. Um, so that was like the biggest thing. And then in terms of like pockets of talent, um, the border areas are always going to be the best because they just have such a, a closer relationship to, um, to the United States. Um, but at the downside is that a lot of those border areas are more expensive to live in. So the cost to hire labor in those areas is going to be higher. Um, and then the second part is that a lot of companies in the United States have already come down into Mexico and they are already hiring talent. So you're having to compete with them. And so oftentimes they're willing to pay a lot higher salary because they're, uh, you know, a billion dollar corporation, multi-billion dollar corporation. The interesting thing is that those billion dollar corporations never tell anybody that they're down in Mexico because they're afraid of, you know, with the last president, they're afraid of getting blasted by Trump. Um, so, but they're here, right? They're all, they've been here for more than a decade. So if you can go into other parts of Mexico, so for example, we have people in, um, outside of Mexico City in oh, Pachuca, and then there's another city I can't remember the name of. It'll come to me later. Um, but my, I, I would say the the way that we were truly able to find great people and hidden talents uh, is my wife came into the business in 2020. So she is Mexican and she understands the culture better than I do. She speaks the language, obviously. And she went to school for business and she got a degree in uh, organizational development. So uh, she revamped our whole hiring process, created this like insanely difficult hiring process that we have now. But in the end, it's, it flows really well. Um, and we find the best talents in the world, in my opinion, um, anywhere. So we were able to take that and now expand it into all of Mexico, South America. We still use the same hiring practices, even when we're looking to hire people in Asia. But we love, you know, any, anyone, anywhere in our time zone, we, we love to look for people. That's the first place uh, or one of the first things that we look at. That's awesome. And uh, as part of Dude Agency, when you connect people to help them build the dream team, do you, do you, are you like a matchmaker and then the business um, uh, like hires those people or they, they, they work through you in terms of um, how does that work? Traditionally, of- yeah, we handle everything. So we handle the payroll, we handle um, obviously the recruiting, we, ha- we handle all the administration, the benefits and all that stuff. So the agency will just pay us a flat rate. They get this amazing team. They don't have to worry about any of the other crap. Yeah. Like sending just so that Americans, because Americans don't know, I didn't know until we started to do this. Sending money from the United States to Mexico is incredibly diff- difficult. because there's a lot of laws trying to prevent, you know, money laundering and drug trafficking and stuff. So if you're sending thousands of dollars a month from the United States to Mexico, you're going to get your account shut down, or they're going to start stopping the transfers from going through. Um, You might have to pay a bunch of fees. It can be very, very difficult. Um, And and it's illegal to just drive from the United States to Mexico and deposit $10,000 into an account. You can't do it. So like anytime my wife's doing payroll, like the two, three days leading up to payroll, you just leave her alone. I just <laughs> bring chocolate and just get the hell out of her way. Um, 
but yeah, so like we handle it, but we have done direct placement too. So we have some agencies that are like, no, oh, we'll, we'll take care of it. So then we'll do the recruiting, we'll evaluate them, we'll send them over to the agency, they do the final thing. And then, you know, we charge a fee for that, of course. But That's awesome. Whatever way makes the most sense. The first thing is we got to look at the budget, right? So like yeah. I, I ask agencies, like, what do you have in the budget? Yeah. And a lot of times I say, I don't know. Okay, well, let's just look and see what you got right now. And and we can get them started, but that's when the dude way essentially starts and we little by little start chipping away. And by the end of the year, they're way more profitable and they've got the best team that they've ever had in their life. So who's the perfect fit for the dude way? Who's this? What, what are the qualities of this aspiring agency CEO who's looking to level up? Like what makes a good fit for the dude agency? Yeah. Um, I'll tell you some of the things that we ask in kind of like our qualification process. Um, so where's your, what was your revenue last year? Um, if you're under 300,000, um, it's just too early for us. If you're at 300,000, it's kind of like a game titan decision. Um, if you're over a half a million in revenue, we lo- like automatically we're in a really good spot. And it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person. I've run an agency under a half a million. I know what it's like. There's just certain foundational things that you need that you kind of have by the time you get to half a million um, and 300,000 as well. So we look at revenue. We look at growth, right? So like I had a conversation with an agency owner the other day and he was kind of wanting to get out of the business. And so it wasn't a good fit. I was like, you know, we're looking for agencies that are essentially looking to double uh, or at least grow by 25, 50%. Um, So we're looking at the growth, like where do they see the business? What are they willing to do? Um, We look at what's their average revenue per unit. So if they're charging too little, it just doesn't make sense. We're not going to have enough budget to invest in the team. We look at um, what else? Well, if they're doing project work, like what are they charging for the project work? What's the percentage of monthly recurring services versus project work? Um, And then the type of work that they're doing, you know, like if they're a Facebook ads agency only, um, that's not typically somebody that we can help. We typically work with somebody who has some element of design and development. Uh, and then the last part is they, they just got to be cool. They got to be nice, they gotta be <laughs> which is great. Like, that's one of the reasons why I love working with agency folks is because they're just nice people. Like we are the biggest hearted people on the planet. We get more excited when our clients have a big win than when we make more money. Tell me another industry that feels like that. Definitely not real estate. Definitely not lawyers. I ran an agency for a long time. And, and when your job is literally helping somebody else achieve their dreams, it attract. It's a certain type of person who runs an agency and gets good at it. So I, right. I totally get that. <laughs> totally. And and it. here's the turning point. It's time we finally get paid for that. Exactly. You know, like it's time that we all are able to build a business that truly delivers the lifestyle that we've always dreamed of. Most of us get into the business because we see this, uh, this vision of working from the beach, and you know, like that is possible. But the irony is that you have to kind of corporatize a lot of your business and put in structure and discipline and take on more responsibility to be able to deliver that lifestyle. But it's not as scary as and intimidating as you might think. Once you do it and you see how things are running, you're like, man, everything is worth it. And like for us, let me, let me give you one more thing. One huge benefit is I think a lot of agency people, we also have big aspirations outside the agency and specifically like philanthropic, philanthropic work. You know, I know an agency owner, works in the accounting space. We used to work together. We don't anymore. We're still great friends. Um, the business relationship didn't like, wasn't bad at all. It's just, he shifted the direction of his agency. 
So, you know, he is very involved in his church. He's adopted like four kids. He has four kids of his own. Like he's constantly giving back to his church and for um, the, I don't even know how you, the proper way to say it, but the adoption, you know, like kids who are, who need to be adopted. Like that's his passion. We personally are super passionate about animals. So we donated tens of thousands of dollars last year to charity. And a lot of that was to animal specific charities. There's a, there's a animal shelter here in Ensenada, Mexico. That's about two hours away. When we built them like all, like a whole facility essentially last year, when you have a business that is profitable and you personally are making more money, you're able to donate to these philanthropic things that we've always cared about. It's really, really exciting and like just motivating when you're able to do things for other people and you're able to live this dream, like these dreams of, of helping others through the business. And that's, that's the other power of essentially creating a great structure, having a, the right team, um, having the right leaders and focusing on the numbers. It empowers you to be able to do all these other amazing things. That's Chris Martinez from dudeagency.io. The dude way sounds awesome. I love that structure and, and how you're helping people. Head on over to dudeagency.io. Is there any other way for people to connect with you, Chris? Yeah, um, I, I'm, I'm very, I'm an open book. You know, if you want to just send me an email, you can email me at chris at dudeagency.io. Uh, I'll do my best to get back to you uh, that same day. Sometimes that might be a couple of days. But just shoot me a message, even if it's just to say hi, or if you have a challenge or you have a question, um, just shoot me a message and I'll do my best to help you out. Awesome, Chris. Well, thanks for coming on the show and sharing your story and words of wisdom with us. We really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you, Chris. And that's a wrap for this episode of LMS Cast. Did you enjoy that episode? Tell your friends and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And I've got a gift for you over at LifterLMS.com dot com forward slash gift go to lifterlms.com forward slash gift keep learning keep taking action and i'll see you in the next episode